0: You're listening to episode 423 of the UAV Digest. I'm Max Flight. And I'm David Vanderhoof. Hello, Max.
1: Another week, more drones. That's right. We have some good stories this week, I think. Some interesting stuff. Well, yeah, we've got um, Ameriflight plans to purchase cargo drones from Nautilus and Sabrewing. Autonomous wind turbine inspections and repairs. I kind of like the fact that using a fan to... Using a quadcopter to monitor a fan, um, the American Security Drone Act. Some news: the man who flew a drone at Dublin Airport was arrested. A new hydrogen-powered octocopter drone. Of course, that's for UMAX. Oh, and last but green UAS and blue UAS. You know, is this this is anything like uh, UASs are red, UASs are blue. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where I was going with this story, so I'm going to go to the first one. Ameriflight adds 35 heavy-duty cargo drones to wish list. This was from freightwaves.com.
0: Ameriflight is a regional cargo airline, a Part 135 airline, and they operate 156 turboprop twins for customers like FedEx and UPS and DHL. Well, Ameriflight recently signed a tentative agreement with Natalus for pilotless cargo drones, but now we have a new letter of intent with Sabrewing Aircraft Company to purchase 35 VTOL cargo drones.
1: And the agreement is for the uh, Ragal, R-H-E-A-G-A-L-A aircraft known as the Alpha, it's an all weather operation, day or night, approximately a 56 foot wingspan. Uses four Saffron Ardidden three turboshaft helicopter engines, around 1,500 horsepower, a payload of 5,400 pounds, and over a thousand nautical mile distance. It's pretty fast, too, Max. Yes, yeah, a cruise speed of 200 knots.
0: And uh, cargo is uh, placed in the aircraft through a the, a nose access uh, door, and it will hold LD1, LD2, or LD3 cargo containers or bulk
1: cargo using a convertible roller floor. It's kind of a good-looking aircraft. It's very sleek, but, it, I mean, the cargo pallets slide in the nose, and the um, rotors themselves are shrouded, so it's kind of... <laughs> It looks like it's going to be fairly safe for um, ground operations. Ameriflight expects to take delivery following type certification of the aircraft. The Saberwing partnership and the Rigel A purchase will enable Ameriflight to enter new business opportunities in distribution center logistics. Using the Vertol capabilities to carry over a ton of cargo off-airport alternative landing zones, to new cargo aircraft will allow AmeriFlight to aid customers in developing a faster, more efficient warehouse distribution network. That was something, Max, that in this quote, it sort of caught me off guard, but it made perfect sense. We were we're talking about these this cargo carriers, and you're always thinking they're going from larger airports to smaller ones, like these subcontractors for you. But these kind of evertalls or Vertol, um UASs can go from the airport to maybe a distribution center. It's taking out one more, taking out a step in the process that we still have currently, where you have the feeder airlines going to a smaller airport and then them going to either a distribution center at that airport or having to go by truck to the distribution distribution center. In this case you can go directly to the distribution center. So I, I can understand the why they want to go this route.
0: That's right. And these aircraft that they're looking to purchase, these new ones, they don't replace the fleet that they've got now. It's a it's a supplement to the capability that they have now. And Ameriflight is a uh, good-sized company. They have 15 bases across the Western Hemisphere, and they have 200 service destinations throughout the United States, Canada, Mexico, as well as the Caribbean and South America. And they typically experience over 1,500 weekly departures. So uh, we'll have a photo of this uh, this aircraft in the show notes. You can see that. I think we... Uh, mentioned the previous Nautilus agreement uh, sometime in the past. I think when that happened, and you might recall that's for the Kona aircraft, uh, which is uh, got a, about a well, 3.8 ton payload, and this is a short haul feeder, uncrewed aerial vehicle. Nautilus says that the Kona planes will be operated by remote control and have the ability to be fully autonomous at some point in the future. So these are two different aircraft. Uh, but all part of the
1: Ameriflight uh, strategy for the future. I don't think the Sabre wing aircraft they were talking about fully autonomous or not. Um but definitely the Kona was a bigger aircraft, so what you what you end up getting is you get a scalability out of this this purchase, you know. And I think they're well on their way. I mean they're they're definitely making investments um into this type of aircraft for the future we'll see when these things get type rated uh, you know or cert- type certified f- by the faa um how quickly they'll be implemented by these companies and and will there be other distribution airlines like these that will follow up we know the big boys have been playing with the idea but these are the people who are actually doing the smaller use stuff so interesting news so let's talk about some of the prettiest structures known to mankind, <laughs> and that's offshore or wind turbines. I just think they look so cool. And this is from Offshore Wind Biz: Project using automated drones for offshore wind. OM aims for reducing downtime and CO two emissions. The flexible offshore drone for wind or FOD for wind project a system that can conduct autonomous wind turbine inspections and repair, as well as package deliveries from service operation vessels to offshore turbines. My only complaint about this story is FOD for wind. It's... Yeah. Anyone who's in aviation knows that FOD is not a good thing.
0: That's right. Usually it stands for yeah, foreign object debris or foreign object damage. Uh, but... Um, That's what it's called. And uh, under this project, drones would take off from these service operation vessels, carry gear and tools to the nacelles of the Siemens offshore wind turbines. And there are a number of partners there. One of them is Optico, which uh, developed the automated UAS uh, for this project. But uh, they say that if we can replace sailing with drone flights from larger ships, then many of the trips around the wind farm will be saved. There is a great potential in that, both in terms of time and CO2 emissions. So it's it's kind of interesting where they're uh, developing this, promoting this, in part for the uh, reduction in emissions – of the operation as a whole, as well as just, you know, speed and, and you know, all the other factors that, that the drones can bring to it. So I think that's, that's kind of a little different twist.
1: The project which, which will run to the end of 2024 is working with payloads of 12 kilograms with a long-term goal of drones to be carried up to 100 kilograms. Of course, they're not minimizing the transportation for anybody who has to service these. There's still going to be people on boats the people part. But you're definitely saving time and money by not having people having to go out to the um, windmill to um, do inspections because you can do it remotely from the ship. So, And you could probably do more than one at a time. So the FOD wind project is being undertaken by quite a few group of people, Max.
0: Yeah, it really is. We mentioned Siemens produces the wind turbines. Also, ESVAGT. And I don't know if that gets pronounced somehow, but they operate the surface operation vessels. And then that Optico developed, as I mentioned, the automated UAS. And then in addition to that, the University of Southern Denmark is involved in this. And overall project management comes from Energy Cluster Denmark. So it's a real collaborative effort here.
1: It probably will be um, shoring up, definitely, the wind turbines, um, and we'll see. Uh, hopefully, we'll get some results in 2024, and and they continue to develop the technology. Was that a pun? That was a pun. Okay. I just want to be shoring up the offshore turbines. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, okay, let's talk about some new legislation or it's legislation that's sort of been lurking in the background we we know that um in the united states here that there's been a um pushback against chinese-produced drones and now it's starting to come to a head um this is a bipartisan effort um with mark warner from virginia and rick scott from florida And it's called the American Security Drone Act of 2023. Now, they're pretty passionate about this, these
0: two senators. Senator Warner says the purchase of drones from foreign countries, especially those that have been deemed a national security threat, is dangerous. I'm glad to introduce legislation that takes logical steps to protect our data from foreign adversaries and meanwhile supports American manufacturers. But, uh, David, Senator
1: Scott goes even farther. Yeah, Senator Scott says, quote, I've been clear for years. The United States should never spend taxpayer dollars on anything made in communist China, especially drones supposed pose a significant threat to our national security. Xi and the Communist Party of China are on a quest for global domination, and whether it's with spy balloons, TikTok, or drones, they will stop at nothing to infiltrate our society and steal our data. Yeah, that's pretty direct kind of political language there. And definitely recent events like the spy balloon coming involved. It, this is quite the touchy subject. It is. So what is it what does it mean, this drone act?
0: Right. The American Security Drone Act, it does several things. It prohibits federal departments and agencies from purchasing certain foreign commercial off the self off-the-shelf drones or other unmanned aircraft. Systems that are manufactured or assembled in countries identified as national security threats. It also provides a timeline to end current use of these drones. Um, The second is it prohibits the use of federal funds awarded to state or local governments from being used to purchase these kind of drones. And it also requires the Comptroller General of the United States to submit a report to Congress detailing the amount of foreign commercial off-the-shelf drones and covered unmanned aircraft systems that have been procured by federal departments and agencies from these countries identified as
1: national security threats. So needless to say, this is directed at primarily one country, one, excuse me, one manufacturer, and that would be DJI. Yeah. Now, I know the federal policy has been pretty strong is a bit along the line coming of the first part, which is the federal system. But this one goes a step further and says um, any states or local governments that have purchased foreign national um, UASs. Right, with federal funds. With federal funds. We know a lot of police departments and um, local Florida enforcement, local first responders that have used... That funds to purchase primarily off-the-shelf products, and they tried to buy the best of the line, which is DJI. So, if this does become law, um, it's going to have a major ripple effect on all levels of government, from federal on down to local. You know, your local fire department, if they've got a grant to buy a buy a drone. Um, they're going to have to report that and 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 possibly buy another one. Now, I'm all for buy American, and but it's definitely this is we need to have the American companies provide a product that is equal to and as affordable as uh, the current product of DJI, and we know that right now that market share is. I think the last time we talked about this was it was 80% of the market share or something yeah, like that's, that. Yeah, that's
0: that's what I recall, yeah.
1: It, it It's enormous. And I think as much as it is a political and an espionage kind of thing, I think it's also an economic one for a lot of these people. But it's not just these two that have signed on. Um, I will comment, Max, that, that Connecticut is all in on this. Yeah, both
0: senators. So uh, the legislation is co-sponsored by a a group of senators, uh, Rubio, Republican from Florida, the two Connecticut Democratic senators, Blumenthal and Murphy, also Marsha Blackburn, Republican from Tennessee, Tom Cotton, Republican from Arizona, and Josh Hawley, Republican from Missouri. So it is, is you know, it's proposed legislation, and sometimes those go somewhere and sometimes they don't. Uh, but because this has got such apparent bipartisan support, uh, I think it's it's safe to assume that uh, this is most likely to go uh, forward um, in the uh, in Congress. So we'll be watching for that.
1: We'll see if it it has it has bipartisan support in the Senate. We'll see if it has bicameral support. How's that for vocabulary words today? <laughs> bicameral support um though i do remember that there there have been these kind of um tones over in the house of representatives and in congress um so it'll be it'll be an interesting package um you know with with congress with the house of representatives and the senate having to come together with a with a package for the president to sign i don't see any reason like you said max that should something be able to come out of Congress for the president to sign? I don't think there's going to be any problem with that signature on the from the executive branch. Yeah, I would
0: agree. All right, We have a nice follow-up story. I like this follow-up story.
1: This is good. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about in Dublin, the airport was shut down for a couple of days um, due to drone flights over the airport. Well, they got the guy. It's final it's so nice to you know we used to have all of these conversations where these we this these events would happen and nobody would ever be caught or anything like that. but they found him and arrested him, and he was charged with under section of forty three of the Air navigation and Transport Act of nineteen eighty eight
0: Now this man, this forty one year old he's accused of knowingly flying a drone into the critical area of Dublin Airport, which interfered with the operation of that airport. So he's been arrested. Uh, He was remanded on bail. He appears again in the court on March 21st. But uh, meantime, he's got some prohibitions against him.
1: Yeah, one is going within two kilometers of the airport. He also... um had his passport removed. So not only can he not go to the airport, he can't go to the airport to fly anywhere. So it's definitely important to see that an example is being made. Um, and that there are repercussions to illegal flying. Now, his comment was he was getting ready to go away and he just wanted to fly his drone and you know, which is a terrible excuse. Well, yeah, I'm going. I'm going away to the airport, so let's go fly the drone at the airport. Not a good, not a
0: good look. No, and also he's been banned from flying drones, so that little drone of his has to sit on the shelf. Or I don't know, maybe it's been confiscated. I don't know, but he's been
1: banned from flying. I got money. Says it was confiscated. Mostly. I mean, that's. I, I would call that evidence. Yeah. yeah. So, well, our next story comes from commercial and military hydrogen drones unveiled by Haven Drones, and this is from hydrogenfuelnews.com. dot So, Max, this is your this is fuel cells. So, this is your baby.
0: <laughs> uh. Heaven Drones is an Israel-based company, and they've unveiled the H2D-55 hydrogen octocopter drone. And it uh, has characteristics kind of like you'd expect. It can fly for over 90 minutes with a 15-pound payload. And uh, Heaven says that this is just the first in a series of hydrogen-fueled drones that they're going to release. Others will have longer flight times and greater payload. Also, uh, these uh, apparently these are not off the shelf uh, drones. They're built to spec, so they're customized for the um, uh, for the needs of the of the operator. And they say they take two to three months to complete. Um, No price has been announced. Now, in looking at this, I couldn't find any details either in the articles or in the Heaven Drones. Website and Heaven is spelled H-E-V-E-N. Uh, I couldn't find any details about the uh, power system. Is this a hydrogen-powered fuel cell, or are they using hydrogen in some other way? I didn't see any any details about the about the power system, so I guess we'll have to wait wait for that.
1: So, um, their comment was: um, What industries are the platforms most suitable for? And due to their highly customizable nature, Heaven drones are suitable for multiple industries, and you could run through the normal ones. Our drones will be customized for almost any need you can think of. You imagine we deliver, was their quote. Um, this is something, Max, I don't think we've really talked about, is a company that is producing not mass produce, production, but customizable one-off Opportunities. I mean, that is that is kind of a different model for the um, for the industry.
0: Yeah, and they they produce these in house, so they're not just assembling uh, components. Uh, I mean, they are buying components, but um, um, they're they're being built in house. They have a twenty thousand foot production facility. They say is a uh, a state of the art facility, and it's right next to their uh, research and development and administrative offices in Israel. They have four production lines, um, a skilled workforce, and their uh, capacity is up to 200 fully customizable drones per month. So even though it seems like it's a custom shop, that 200 per month is, I mean, it's not mass production, but it's pretty healthy production. But there's a video available where you can get a glimpse of... Uh, some of the uh, uh, operations, and, and they're using assembly robots and things. Uh, in, in some cases, yeah, I, I kind of wondered. Uh, there, there's one where the you know the robot is inserting the tubular arm into the body of the drone, and I'm thinking. Um, Okay, programming a robot to do that—that's—that's that's fine. But a human being could just, stick, you know, s- stick a tube into a hole pretty easily without having to automate it. But that's sort of an example of, you know, how they're how they're approaching this. Um, so, in house, and this is the first of uh, of several. I think they've been showing this at. Um, a recent event, and actually, I'm embarrassed to say I don't. I don't recall if it's Dubai or some place like that. Um, but they're they're showing it to the public anyway.
1: So we'll 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 see. I mean, we we are always are interested in fuel cells because that is the future. Um, and my co-host just absolutely loves the technology. So. <laughs> you keep saying that. Uh, well, am I wrong? Well, I don't know if I love it. I think it's
0: very. I think it's fascinating. <laughs>
1: Well, okay. My co-host thinks it's fascinating. All right. All right. Let's talk about green UAS. Colors. this is from our... What? Colors. Oh, let's talk about colors. Okay. Um, Red and yellow and pink and green. Um, If you're from Philadelphia, you'll know what that is. AUVSI green UAS, expanding the pool of trusted drone options. This is from our friends over at dronelife.com. Green UAS is part of AUVSI's trusted cyber program, which seeks to verify a greater number of commercial UASs in line with the highest levels of cybersecurity and involved with the NDAA, or the National Defense Authorization Act, supply chain requirements, which is interesting because that goes back to the uh, previous possible legislation we just had discussed. It does. It is kind of
0: related. Uh, AUVSI launched their uh, trusted cyber program just last year, last August 2022. And this was in collaboration with a cybersecurity firm, Fortress Information Security. So Green UAS is an industry standard assessment process, and it mirrors the defense innovation unit's. Blue UAS Certification Program. We'll get to that. But the uh, Defense Innovation Unit, the DUI. So it's administered by AUVSI. And the idea is that it vets drones that are seeking green UAS certification. Now, green-compliant drones that have a DOD customer or sponsor willing to sponsor and fund a DOD authority to operate, or ATO, we'll have the opportunity to transition from the green UAS cleared list to the blue UAS cleared list. So this green list, it builds on the the DIU, I I might have said DUI before, the DIU, the Defense Innovation Unit's blue UAS certification program.
1: So what's the blue UAS? Well, it's an approach to rapidly prototyping and scaling commercial UAS technology for the Department of Defense. Green UAS is meant for customers without an immediate need for the Department of Defense DOD authority to operate. So basically, it's you go through, get qualified for the green UAS, and then if a program comes along where you are um, might want to bid for a contract with the Department of Defense, you're sort of pre-qualified, I guess would be the best term to use. So it also provides a simpler pathway to the blue UAS 2.0 cleared list. So it's a way of the, the Department of Defense now is into quick prototyping and doing a lot of prototyping via the um, civil world instead of just directly to the Department of Defense. So, this is one way of getting um, those organizations more up to speed and more compliant so that the DOD will have more people to pick as operators.
0: And suppliers. Yeah. It's kind of like green is kind of a stepping stone to blue, I think, uh, making that easier. So,
1: I, I think it's really a good step for AUVSI that they're giving, providing opportunities that, um, for interactions with the Department of Defense that would be more headaches and paperwork for a lot of organizations who don't necessarily have the in to start out with. This way, they, they have a start and they can move to the next level.
0: Yeah. And hopefully we're done picking colors because if we have any more colors, I'm going to get really confused by, by all this. So, Hopefully we'll
1: see. any more colors any more colors you're going to see red. That's right exactly.
0: Oh man. All right, so uh that's uh that's it for this episode. I want to thank you for listening. This has been episode 423 of the UAV Digest and you can find us at the uavdigest.com. If you're having trouble remembering that, just head on over to dronepodcast.com, you'll end up at the
1: same place. And of course, you can find us throughout the world of social media. You can find us on Facebook, on Twitter. Uh, Max and I are both on LinkedIn. Um, That's where we, if you want to reach out to us, you can reach out to us there. You can reach out to us via our Slack listener team. And you do that by sending us an email to feedback at the UAV digest.com. Or you can just send us an email to feedback at the UAV digest.com. And we'll be happy to respond to it. So, I guess with that, Max, should we wrap this up? Let's wrap it up, David. So until next week, this is David in Delaware. And Max in Connecticut. Thanks for listening.